today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Obviously, we've been watching uh, what has been happening in the United States uh, in regard to uh, the death of George Floyd and the uh, officer that is charged with murder in his uh, death and such, and, and just what has been going on in Minnesota uh, over the last little while. Uh, let's bring in Jeffrey Wrights, Professor Emeritus of uh, Sociology and Director of Ethic Immigration and Pluralism Studies at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy, University of Toronto, and is with us now. Jeffrey, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Yes, thank you. Greetings. So your thoughts on what you've seen and how this trial has unfolded so far. Is there anything different or anything that stands out in this trial for you? Well, there's a lot that's similar to what we've seen many, many times before. You know, what we have in, yeah. across North America, really, where we have a combination of race relations problems and a surfeit of guns uh, in the community. And that certainly applies to the folks in Minnesota. Uh, although they, they like to think of themselves as really nice, they're nice people out there, but uh, they do have this problem. And uh, I think what's what's really distinctive about the, uh, the case of uh, George Floyd is that his, uh, you know, the, the the murder of George Floyd took place on camera and was broadcast around the world. And everyone who saw that video agreed that this was really bad. And so, you know, the... Uh, the testimony at the trial has been uh, unanimous, almost unanimously uh, negative. All the people that usually support the policemen uh, are not doing that this time. So I think there's an expectation that uh, we're going to see a guilty uh, verdict here. And now we've seen guilty verdicts in, in Toronto recently, you know, like a few years ago uh, with the uh, the murder of the young man on the, on the streetcar, who is named right now, but... Um, that w- was a conviction not for murder, but for uh, uh, attempted murder. And he was out in six uh, months uh, or something like that. Uh, after a few years, uh, he was out. And um, we may see that a kind of thing in, in Minnesota. But I would uh, think that we're going to see a more serious kind of uh, outcome for uh, Mr. Chauvin. Uh, you talked about the video, and, and many said, because this obviously is, is an ongoing situation in the United States, uh, you know, say their name, remember their name. It's like, my goodness, uh, this just continues to happen. But when uh, George Floyd lost his life because of that initial angle, was it eight minutes and 46 seconds, now 929, that this would be different. How How important is that nine minutes and 29 seconds of video in this case? Well, I think that it's, it's quite important. And it uh, really got, you know, th- this was the case that captured the attention of the world. And uh, for the people in Minnesota, they're not used to world attention. You know, they're, they're, they're best known for um, being inventing Wheaties and, uh, <laughs> you know, having a couple of World Series teams. But they don't get a lot of attention. You know, they, that's their culture. They don't want attention. But when they get the attention, it really, uh, you know, focuses them on the question of how are we going to uh, get our good image back? How are we going to be seen as nice people if we allow a, a policeman to murder someone so brutally? That's going to affect us for a long time. So the, the city council in Minneapolis has been in turmoil over this. Initially, they're the ones who started the... Uh, phrase defund, defund the police 
and a lot of people thought that that was going to go uh, far farther in Minnesota than it had anywhere else. Of course, that hasn't happened, uh, and uh, those kind of proposals have been thrown out. So they haven't really done. They haven't followed through on a lot of the policies that people had hoped would would come out of this case. So I think a lot of people are hoping that this uh, verdict is going to um, show that at least in this one case that uh, the justice will be done. What does it say when something like this turns Minnesota into what it is now? It's not a Chicago. It's not an L.A. It's not a New York. What does it say when it is this sort of mild-mannered state that this that these issues start happening in? Well, you know, it's a, it's a different place from uh, a city like Toronto or, you know, Hamilton. We uh, it, it, It's similar in the sense that they thought of themselves as more progressive than the rest of North America. And uh, it's also similar in that for a long time they had a relatively small racial minority population. But, um, they're, you know, they're a little different. They have a, a Swedish or a Scandinavian uh, culture there, uh, which, you know, makes it somewhat similar to uh, Canadian. But um, they've had a very rapid growth in the size of the African-American population in particular. And this has... Uh, you know, brought a lot of problems to the surface that people in Minnesota didn't think they had. And this is sort of, a, you know, a similar story to uh, the story of Toronto, where people think that uh, Toronto, because we have multiculturalism and so on, we don't have the race relations problems elsewhere. And that we've seen that, at least certainly with regard to the police and dealing with police-community relations, that uh, the difference is not that great. Uh, we have less prevalent guns gun problem. And I think the police are less fearful of the population because of the lack of uh, the prevalence of guns that they have in Minnesota. But it's you know not that different from what we what we have uh, in Canada. You, you know, uh, obviously, uh, we've seen over the years mass shootings, lots of chatter and, and demand for gun control or some sort of regulation. Uh, it's chatted about for a while until you know, then forgotten until the next uh, situation uh, occurs. Do you think we will see change come out of this? Uh, well, in a word, no, because hmm. uh, we've seen, you know, the expectations being so high in the past, and yet uh, the, 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 uh, the gun lobby has always come forward and has always prevailed. So, um, you know, a lot of the problems have to do with, the size of the gun lobby, and also the the prevalence of money uh, generally in the U.S. political uh, arena. And, it, you, know, you know, money talks, and uh, people who, uh, you know, make these massive contributions uh, get listened to. So we've seen so many cases where uh, people were sure that, sure, the, the public outcry for some kind of gun control is going to have an impact, and yet it hasn't. So I don't see anything really in this case that's going to uh, make for a different outcome than what we've seen in the past. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Your thoughts on uh, the case uh, of Dante Wright and the officer who thought she was using a taser and instead a gun. I mean, these sorts of things just it's just throwing fuel on the fire, is it not? It is, and uh, there's been a spate of these uh, sorts of things uh, over the last few weeks. So, you know, now we, of course, have a new president uh, who is uh, definitely on the side of introducing more 
gun uh, controls, and we'll see what he's able to accomplish. I mean, he was a part of the uh, the movement that banned assault rifles for a period of time. It has happened, and he wants to do that again. But he really doesn't have the majority in Congress, the size of majorities that he needs to to push that through uh, quickly. So he can do only what uh, has been done with uh, executive orders, and that's really not you know going to make that much uh, difference. Will this change policing in any way? <clears throat> well, again, you know, we've seen so many uh, times where people have called for these changes, and the public is definitely on side with this. But, uh, the, and, you know, police forces across North America have introduced and made and introduced uh, uh, changes in their procedures, changes in community relations. Uh, there have been some benefits here and there. But uh, overall, the reliance on the police to maintain order in our communities and to respond to crises is, um, you know, it really hasn't, I mean, that was the issue that was really behind the defund the police movement. The idea that we're bringing police in too often to deal with problems that are not essentially policing problems, um, but they're sort of social control problems. And uh, we need to really uh, think about moving away from that uh, model where the police are in charge of dealing with all of the difficult issues that arise in the community. And, you know, there's some movement in that direction, but I think it's going to be a long, slow process of change. So uh, your thoughts, what are you expecting here? Will we see a conviction here, do you think? I think we're going to see a conviction. Yes, I do. Uh, whether, you know, how long uh, Mr. Chauvin goes to jail and, uh, uh, we'll, we'll have to see that as well, the severity of the punishment, but, uh, certainly a very clear, uh, cut case. And he's a very isolated man with a lot of, uh, people aligned against him. So I think he's going away for a while. Uh, but that doesn't really change the policing. Uh, in, in some ways, you know, it, it makes for more resentment in the police force. And I think we've seen in the media today about the response to the the killing that you mentioned in in Brooklyn Center near Minneapolis, where the police are assaulting uh, journalists. And uh, journalists, uh, one black journalist, in fact, for the New York Times was assaulted. And uh, the policeman said he didn't believe he was a journalist. So here was the police uh, you know, racial profiling of the journalists that they're attacking. So this is, uh, you know, part of the problem now, too, that if we just go after the police, well, we don't deal with the underlying problems of the police community relations. We're not going to get very far. So how, what, what do you think, obviously, Minnesota, uh, a powder keg right now, uh, what do you think is going to happen with this verdict? If How do you think the towns, the city is going to react or the state even? Well, you know, there'll be a lot of uh, people expressing uh, their relief that uh, there's some accountability, as I, you know, and uh, certainly uh, there will be others, depending on what the verdict actually is. You know, we may not find that out for a while, but what the, uh, that means, the, what the, what the, uh, the sentence is, uh, there's some people will be happy with it or maybe unhappy with it. But uh, again, I think it's important to recognize that while we're focusing a lot of attention on the verdict and the issue of police accountability focused on, on this particular case, that the underlying problem of, however it comes out, the underlying problem of community race uh, policing relations and the, 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 uh, the difficulty of uh, race relations that's related to that is, is going to be there for some time.
Uh, obviously, Chauvin decided not to testify, and there was a, a quite a, a deal made over that. The judge making sure he understood everything and such. Are you surprised at that? Mm, well, I don't know. That's a kind of thing that really depends a lot on Mr. Chauvin's personality and, the, and his uh, defense people's assessment of how how he would perform. It may mean that he's not a particularly diplomatic guy, and mm. might get out there to try to defend himself in a way that that his defense people would feel not useful. Um, you know, complaining about Mr. Uh, Floyd and all that, and so that it could be just a uh, you know a strategy. Uh, uh, on their part to uh, minimize his the damage he might do to himself. I think he, he took the Fifth Amendment, the uh, the right yeah. not to uh, incriminate yourself. I think they probably thought he might do, do just that. So obviously, if he is convicted, that does have to send some sort of message, does it not? Uh, even, you know, as far as being accountable. Uh, yeah, sure. as an officer it's way better than uh, than no conviction or you yeah. know, a situation where you see people of uh, a policeman who obviously is engaged in behavior that not only strikes the average person looking at it as wrong but was was uh described as wrong by the people who are in charge of the police in mm. in Minnesota so this guy really looks like he has very little uh, defense on his side so you know if we didn't if we won't convict him well then i think you know, they're going to have uh, a very a more serious problem. All I'm saying is that even if we get to the point which seems likely that of a conviction, we're still a long, long way from uh, preventing these kinds of things from occurring again. Let's face it, they've occurred many, many times before, including in our own backyard, and we know how, how uh, difficult it is to really move forward in a meaningful way to actually say we can now look forward to a future where these things are less likely to happen. I remember reading somewhere that he was actually a training officer. A training officer, yes. I think he had a long history uh, with the police force. I don't think that he was necessarily seen as a particularly progressive person. But, you know, in the police department, uh, that's not really uh, a criterion uh, that uh, for, uh, you know, moving into positions of influence or, um, uh, you know, to be people participating in training. So I wouldn't Jeff- I think that you'd probably find that quite common in, in many police forces. Jeffrey Wright's with us, Professor Emeritus of Sociology and Director of Ethic, Immigration and Pluralism Studies at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy, University of Toronto. Jeffrey, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.